Well, we are in the middle of a sermon series today called Closer. We've just started this sermon series, and it is a, 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 a sermon series on relationships. And, I, and I, I want you to know, each and every one of us, we have been created by God for relationships. You know that there's a passage in the Bible that says that we have been created in the image of God. And, you know, I'm not sure if when we get to heaven we're going to look like God. I don't, I'm not sure what that's all about, what we're going to look. I don't, I don't know if I'm stuck on those details. But I tell you that I believe that we have the heart of God. And I think that's what it means because our God, listen to me, our God is a relational being. And I want you to know this morning, those who are watching online, I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but I will tell you this. God does not want your religion God wants a relationship with you. If you get anything out of this message, please hear me loud and clear. God wants to have a relationship with you. And so if we were to just, if you were to take a test this morning, a survey, and you were to honestly answer the question, where are you in your relationship? On a scale of one to 10, what would you give yourself? How is that relationship going for you? I believe we have been created by God for relationships. And you know, when you look at the, the commandments, understand that the commandments that have been given to us by God in God's word, they all deal with the topic of relationships. Did you, uh, did you grasp that before? Do you, do you, if you look at the 10 commandments, I think I may have brought this up before, but the first four commandments, they all deal with our relationship with God. He says, no other God before me. I don't want anybody else in the way. No idols in the way. And do not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't curse me. I want to have relationship with. We don't do that to people that we have relationship with. And then honor the Sabbath to take care of yourself. Well, that's the first four commands that deal with our relationship with God. Then the other six, it talks about honoring your parents. Do not murder. Do, how many, I didn't hear parents say amen on that, that first one I gave there. Uh, honor your parents. Do not, um, um, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet your neighbor's stuff. Do not talk bad about your pastor. <laughs> Always tell him what a great sermon he gave. It's in there. You just look. It's in a paraphrased version. But they, all these, check this out. God doesn't give us commands to control. God gives us commands for relationships, to enhance our relationships. And the two greatest relationships that you will have is your relationship with God. The most important relationship you can have is a relationship with God and then relationship with each other. Jesus talks about this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. He, he sums up, he says, if you take all of the laws, all of the commands, and you sum it up into just, just one thought, he says, do this. If you would just focus on loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you will just choose to love others as you love yourself, you are honoring the commandments. So isn't that interesting? He, he said, you know what? Sometimes we get bogged down with this list of commands we need to follow. And so Jesus said, listen, listen, listen. Let me simplify it. If you just remember to do this, love God with all your heart. You know what I have discovered in life? I have discovered there are some people who have chosen to live their lives to make it hard to love them. Anybody, anybody you know what I'm talking about? How many of you are sitting next to that person right now this morning? 
There are some people who are hard to love. But I have found that if I really, really put a lot of effort into number one, love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of a sudden there's something that rises up within me that helps me to love others as I love myself. Jesus sums it all up and he says, love God, love people. And we know this all about relationships. We know that relationships are a deterrent for loneliness. They fill the need of companionship and they contribute to be a great source of happiness. But we also know this about relationships, that relationships, if, if they go awry, if they become selfish, if they become uh, self-motivating, that they can be a great source of sorrow, heartache, and pain. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? But I believe this. I believe, I hope all of you here, you want to have closer relationships. In fact, the word, the highest form of relationship is this word called intimacy. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sexual relationship. I'm talking about being super, super close. There's a, there's a friend that you have in life that is super, super close. I hope that that person, if you're married today, I hope that person is your spouse. Relationship, intimacy. So in this sermon series, just in these next few weeks, I'm going to talk about what I feel are the most important relationships, and not, not, not relationship with God, that's a different subject, but I hope that the relationships you deal with, your friendships, maybe you're here today and, and you are in a dating or an engagement relationship, we're going to talk about that next week, and then the, the third relationship we're going to talk about marriage. So today I'm going to talk about friendships. Why do we even need friends? What, what, what is the purpose of friendships? Well, I would say, first of all, it is to provide. It is to provide a sense of companionship, of love, and encouragement. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, God says that it is not good for us to live alone. We need each other. We need friends in our lives. Second of all, the, the purpose of friendship is to share. Life is meant to be shared. And, and, and some of you, I, I see some of you, I'm Facebook friends with you, and, and, and you just love to share what's going on in your life. I think that's really the, the big purpose and the big motivation behind social media. What do you, you go through social media. If you were to go through social, some of you are on it right now. And you, you just keep flipping through social media. You're, you're seeing somebody's birthday party. You're seeing an anniversary celebration. I just saw uh, one of our teenagers uh, years ago that we worked with in our youth ministry. Just, she just got married, and what a beautiful wedding, and, 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 a, and a date that you go on with your husband or your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Um, you, you, you have pictures or videos of your children, and they're building snow forts, or they're building snow angels, and there's pictures of grandkids, and, and, and they're just so cute, and they say, Grandpa, Grandma, and you recorded it, and you put it out there. Or, or, and some of you, you're foodies, Okay, and foodies, and you have to take a picture. You had a restaurant, or it's a dinner that you just made, and you're taking a picture. Look what I made. Okay, and what is that all about? Well, friends, we, we want to share with our friends. We want to share with them what's going on in our lives. And then the third thing why we need friends is to help in life's troubles because life is not always easy. And we need each other. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, he says, two are stronger than one. We need each other. You know, I have a, a group of friends 
that I connect with about, oh, every four to six weeks, a group of pastors. I need to take a cough drop here. Yesterday, I've been I'm just on the tail end of this, this cold. And yesterday, I was so excited because I sounded just like Batman. And I thought today I was going to be able to preach just like Batman. But I'm going to be Pastor Sheldon here today. But I'm connected with this life group of pastors. And we just get together on a regular basis. And we talk. And we encourage. And we challenge. And we laugh. And we cry. And we pray. And then we laugh some more. And we're good for each other. We've discovered that when, when we're two get together, when two or more get together, brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we grow stronger. And, and, and so I, I just want you to know that's going to be one of these things that I'm going to continue to pound the pulpit about, if we call this a pulpit here, that, that I would encourage each and every one. And we need each other. I promise you, you will grow stronger in your faith when you grow together when you grow together as friends. And I want to encourage you, church, listen to me. You're really missing out if you do not get into a life group. Get into a group of friends where you grow stronger in your faith journey together. Well, the Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says it's important how you choose your friends. We need to be careful with with our choices of friends because he says this, bad company corrupts good character. Let me say that one more time. We need to be careful because we know this, that bad company corrupts good characters. In other words, that old adage, whether for good or bad, you soon become like the people you hang around. How many of you heard that? How many of your parents told you that years ago? How many of you tell your kids that? You soon become like the people you hang around. That is so true. In other words, healthy people, healthy people create healthy relationships. But it's also this, unhealthy people will create unhealthy relationships. I was looking this up and I found that there's some warning signs that you might be in an unhealthy relationship. Here's a couple things and, 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 and that, that you might want to take note of. You, as I go through these things, there might be some things in there, and I, they might be telltale signs that maybe you need to get out of this relationship. Or maybe you're here today, and you're, these things are happening, and you might need to, to get help. If, if you're in a relationship and there is verbal, emotional, or physical abuse, you need to get out, and you need to get help. If you're, if you're be constantly being called names, or, or there are threats that are brought against you, a, a threat to hurt you or hurt themselves if, if you don't do what they want. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of a relationship like that? Or there, if there's violence, you need to get out and you need to get help. If there's intimidation, in other words, they're using their power to bully others to do what they want to do. Or there's manipulation. People who manipulate others, they attack their mental and emotional sides to get what they want. Or there's shaming that's going on. They're constantly pointing out, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. There's belittling, putting people down, always going after that weakness in that person's life to belittle them. And all of this is about is control. 
I'm gonna tell you, that's really the source of unhealthy relationships. That's really the true motive of unhealthy relationships is control. And what that is, is is a violation of your boundaries. We're gonna talk about that here in the next few weeks. But this person, this person, if they're in your life, I want you to know this, this person has no sense of respect for you. And they will continue to violate those boundaries as long as you stay in that relationship. I just I want to encourage you and challenge you. This, the word is called toxic. Unhealthy people create toxic relationships. It's toxic is this, it's a dangerous substance. Even just a small amount, and when you continue to stay around that, it will have harmful effects on you. In Proverbs 18, 24, King Solomon says this. He says, a true friend sticks closer than a brother, and I wanna add sister to that as well. A true friend, a true friend. How many of you are here this morning and say, I have a true friend. I do have true friends. I am so grateful for the true friends. Can I introduce you to a true friend of mine? You can just go ahead and put that picture. Is it up on the screen? I'll let you, I'll let you find that. A true friend is this. A, a friend of mine and his name is Ben Hermans. Ben, if you're listening this morning, I want you to know you have been a true friend to me. Uh, we became friends when I, I, we had first moved to De Pere, Wisconsin as the pastor there. And uh, I, the picture that I have that I'm gonna show you here in just a second is a, is a picture of, of myself and him, and, and uh, he's a firefighter. He was a firefighter in De Pere. And uh, when I first got there, he came into my office and he says, hey, I just wanted you to know, as the new pastor, it's also your responsibility to become the chaplain for the fire department. And, and I said, well, well, how do you do that? He says, you just come into the fire department and have coffee with the guys. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. And he says, and occasionally you need to bring donuts too. So like, I, I can do that too. But over the years, we became friends. And I want you to know, this friend of mine, Ben Hermans, he has become, over the years, has been a friend to me like no one ever has been before. In, the, in our years together, we have served together, we have worked together, we have prayed together. I promise you, if you meet Ben Hermans, you have laughed together with Ben Hermans, and we have cried together. Over the years, he has believed in me, he has encouraged me, he has challenged me, and he has even taken times where I needed it where he took the, the opportunity to speak into my life and he kind of smacked me. Come, come on, 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 Sheldon. Come on, come on. Listen to what you're saying here. He's inserted himself into some of the most challenging segments of my life. And over the years, he has chose to be closer than a brother to me. And this man and his wife, Penny, has been that friend to my wife, Michelle. And they have been to us what I would call true friends. Michael, are we going to get that picture up there? I'll let you show that here in just a second because I want you to see my good friend here. I want to show him off. But all of us have friends, right? Some of, most of you, you're on social media and some of you are proud and you're like, hey, I just went over the 1,000 friend mark. <laughs> and you're just like, man, that was just the coolest moment. But 
but, but yeah, that's not, I'm not talking about your Facebook friends. I'm talking about a true friend because I believe every friendship needs a true friend. Every friendship needs a true friend. And I want to talk to you about this morning about one of the truest friends in the Bible. And this man is the name Jonathan. If you know the story of David, you know that he had a good friend, a true friend, just like my friend Ben Hermans, who just inserted himself into his life, and he became a true friend. I believe everyone deserves a true friend like Jonathan. Jonathan, are you enjoying me talking about you this morning? (laughs) Jonathan Geisler over there is like, yeah, everybody needs a friend like me. I believe it. I believe it. Here's what a a true friend, let me talk about Jonathan this morning. A true friend is a gift from God. So we we get into the story here and we have young David who had recently slayed the giant David. Remember, that's the David I'm talking about, David and Goliath. And he's just a young man who, who did this great feat. And all of a sudden now he has a new job and he's working for King Saul. And, and King Saul, he's just kind of a, he's kind of a goofy critter here a little bit. He got a, oh, there's my good friend, Ben. I, I, I wanted you to see me in my, in my fire outfit there. Isn't it? I, I don't, Ben's a great guy, but he's not as handsome as I am. And, and I just wanted everybody to see that there. Yeah. So he's serving the king, and, and, and King Saul's got some jealousy issues going on there. And so it's just kind of at the beginning stages of this relationship, and David is introduced to, in, in this moment here, is introduced to King Saul's son, Jonathan, and they instantly connect as friends. Jonathan is just that kind of guy. Listen to how Jonathan goes above and beyond to be a true friend. It says here, 1 Samuel 18, he says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as much as he loved himself. I love that part. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, and bow, and belt. You see, one of the greatest signs of a true friend is their selflessness. Selflessness. You see, the definition of being a selfless friend is to love someone as you love yourself. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later here, but, but look, how, look how Jonathan gives that. He says, Jonathan treated David the same way that he wanted to be treated. It, it just If you get anything out of this message, understand this. That's what a true friend does. When you love somebody as you love yourself, you treat them as you want to be treated. So in other words, if you, if you come to this great church and you're kind of new here and, 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 and you're just like, well, nobody's really talking to me. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that everybody has been felt, felt welcome, accepted, and loved. But if, if you haven't, man, I'm so sorry about that. But I would hope that you would step out and get to know and meet people yourself But Jonathan treated David the same way he wanted to be treated. He wanted to be treated with love, respect, commitment, and everybody loves a friend who gives of themselves. It's interesting to note here, in this passage, we see at the end, Jonathan is giving him all these things. 
Well, it's interesting because Jonathan really was next in line to be the king. But Jonathan recognized in his friend David, no, this one's going to be different. David is the anointed one here. And he surrendered. He self-sacrificed his privilege, his right. And he surrendered that for his friend who he recognized as the anointed one. In other words, instead of being selfish with his position, he instead sacrificed his right to the throne. So what I'm gonna, I want to ask, what kind of friend is that selfless? What, 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 does that look, what does that look like? I want you to know Jesus is that selfless friend to you. I want you to know, listen to me, I don't know where you're at in life, what's going on in your life, but I want you to know those who are watching online, you have a friend. You have a selfless friend who loves you so very much. In fact, in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God, but God, in his great love for us, by sending Christ to die for us, even while we were still sinners, I don't know where you are watching online today, and maybe you, you don't even believe in God. You reject even the whole idea. That's okay. That's okay. But I want you to know God still loves you. I don't know where you are in life, and you might be in the deepest rut of sin that you've ever been in, and you got a, a, a pornography problem. you got a, an addiction problem. you got a sin problem. You just can't fix yourself. I want you to know God loves you. And God sent his son for you. Even when we were at our worst, Jesus still gave his best. Oh, I love that line. Even when you are at your worst, Jesus still gives his best. And he knew that we were unable to save ourselves. And so he gave of of himself. Selflessly, he came to earth. Selflessly, he lived his life as a servant. And selflessly, he paid our debt on the cross so that we could be redeemed with God. So again, I want you to know this morning, you are not alone. You have a friend And it's a selfless friend. And that friend is a gift from God. That friend, his name is Jesus. I'll tell you this a second. True friend is faithful. In other words, a faithful friend is somebody who not only says, I got your back, but they follow through and they got your back. Have you ever had a friend who said they had your back? But when times of pressure and conflict came, they betrayed that, that trust. It's painful, it's disappointing, but not Jonathan. Just when David needed him the most, he, look what Jonathan did. Jonathan had his back. It says in 1 Samuel 8, 19, 1, Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David, okay? That's how, that's how bad it got in Saul's mind, King Saul's mind. Isn't that crazy? David went from hero to zero in just a few days because of Saul's jealousy. And, and king, when a king wants somebody dead, it's bound to happen. And so he puts out a, a call and he says, I want, I want David dead. Well, Jonathan is a friend and Jonathan doesn't hear of this. And Jonathan's got David's back. But it says, but, but Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning to do. And he said, um, he, and he, 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 he argued with his dad. He's like, dad, look what David has done. Why do you want to do this? In, in 1 Samuel 20, 32, it says, but why should he put 
put to death? Why should he be put to death? And Jonathan asked his father, he says, what has he done? Then dad, King Saul was so angry, it says that he threw a spear at Jonathan intending to kill him. I mean, dad is warped. Dad is messed up. He is angry and does not want David around because of his jealousy. Jonathan had David's back. You see, back in those days, no one argues with the king. And even if you're a son of a king, you are really putting your life on the line to argue or even debate or try to change the mind of a king. And even though, even though Jonathan knew he was putting his life on the line, he still did it because he had David's back. Proverbs 17, 17. It says this, a friend loves at all times. And a brother or a sister is born for times of adversity. Look how he defines what a true friend is. First of all, a true friend is a true friend at all times. Not just when it's easy, but when it's difficult. Not, a, not just in the wonderful times, but also in the times of adversity. When everyone else might be against you, a true friend is a friend indeed. Number three, a true friend loves you just as they love themselves. We talked about there, we talked about a selfless love. Look in 1 Samuel 20, 17, and it says, and Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Twice we read this in scripture. Do you realize that eight times, eight times in the New Testament, it, there is a challenge for us to love others as we love ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, and I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy, but I, I kind of got a fascination with myself. Is, is that okay? Is there anybody else who you're, you, you kind of have a fancy for yourself too? You, you kind of like yourself, and, and in a healthy way, in a healthy manner, I like when good things come my way. How many of you like when good things come your way? You like it when, when life is good. And so somebody who loves others as they love themselves, they, they, they're saying, listen, not only do I love when good things come my way, but I love, love, love when good things come your way. I love that. Just as happy as I, when I won the lottery, I'm just as happy when you won the lottery. I'm not sure you should be playing the lottery, but I'm happy if you won it. <laughs> Jesus tells us this. Again, as I said earlier, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But it goes deeper than that. And the second quality is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. That, that phrase, as yourself, I looked it up and it means this. To unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. When was the last time that you rejoiced of the, from the glory of a friend? When somebody, when somebody reached out to you and said, guess what happened that you rejoiced with them. What happened? When was the last time when, when in your workplace, when that other person, a friend in your department, got that promotion over you? 
you applied for that promotion, but they got that promotion. When was the last time that you rejoiced with them as though you had won it yourself? That's what true friends do. Number four, a true friend encourages your faith. And if I could say that one thing about my friend Ben Hermans, he has been a faith encourager to me throughout the years. 1 Samuel 23, 15, things are getting heavy. King Saul is getting intense. He's getting angry. The decree has been made for the assassination of David. It says that one day near Horish, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Diff to Ziph to search for him and to kill him. Talk about a bad day. We got a bad day that's happening here. But in verse 16, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. I love that. Jonathan said, hey, I got to reach out to David. I know that was not good news. I know David didn't want to hear this, but I want to go out. I'm going to find him. I'm going to encourage him. So listen, 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 David, I know there's a king that's powerful here on earth, but I want to encourage you. There is a king above all kings, and he's got your back. I want to encourage you. Put your faith and trust in him. You see, that's what a friend does. A true friend encourages you to look to Jesus. Listen to me, friends. A true friend And your time of crisis and your time of need, your time of faith will encourage you to look to Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us all of this to do this. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, so this is what we need to do. Listen to this. That's how we live out our faith. He says, so encourage each other. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Solomon tells us this in Proverbs 27, 17. He says, listen, we need to be like as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. Find friends. One of the greatest things you can do is find friends that encourage you in your faith. Look for, if you look for any quality, and we're going to talk about that here in the, in the next messages here, but if you find any quality, look for somebody who will encourage you in your faith to look to God when things get tough, to look to God to be your encouragement. So this morning, I, I've said this about friendships, a true friend. A true friend, thank you, God, is a gift from God. I thank God for my friend, Ben Hermans. A true friend is faithful. A true friend is selfless in their love for others. Number four, a true friend encourages your faith. My last thought that I want you to get out of this 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 morning, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. And here's here's, here's kind of the the take home. Here's the the big nugget of this. I'm convinced that to have a true friend like that, if you want to have a true friend like that, how many of you, you want to have a true friend like that? I raise your hand as a pastor. That's what I'm really, I'm looking for that. To, to have a true friend like that, you must first be a friend like that. I think sometimes we're just sitting there and we're waiting. Oh, pastor, that was a wonderful message. How comes I can't have a true friend like that? I wish I had a friendship like you're, you're talking about your buddy, Ben Herman. I wish I had a friend like that. 
And my thought to you is, what if you would just go out and just be a friend like that? Hey, years ago, when I was a youth pastor, uh, there was these two young ladies who, who came to me, and they were upset, and their pastor just seems like nobody talks to us. Just, and they were kind of shy, they're kind of quiet, and they just were bothered. Like, this is an unfriendly youth group. Nobody, nobody really talks to us. And I said, well, do you really talk to people? Well, I don't know. I mean, if this was such a friendly youth group, they would talk to us. And I said, here's, can I just encourage you, girls? Can I just encourage you? And instead of you coming to youth group on Wednesday night and just waiting for somebody to talk to you, can I just encourage you to just start going out and you just be friendly to others? But you know what these two young ladies did? They decided that they're going to have a party. And they got together, and, and, and they, dis, they put out all these invitations and called, their, called these people in the youth group, and they had this gigantic youth party. I didn't even know about it. I'm the youth pastor. I didn't even know about this party these girls are having. And after that party, never once were they ever, did they ever feel alone in that youth ministry. And I think that's just what it takes for us. And if we want to have a true friend like that, then we must first be a true friend like that. And Jesus encourages us this. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. If you have been loved by God, Jesus says, well, just go, don't just Wait. You go, and you go love people. I have demonstrated for you on how to love people in a, in a way of commitment, how to be a true friend. Now you go, and you love people. He says, there is no greater love than someone who lay down their life for one's friend. If you want to have a true friend like that, I challenge you, church, go be a true friend like that. So this morning, as we, we close out this service, we're going to close at a time of celebration, a time of communion. And I just want all of you, first of all, if you've not received one of these cups as you came in this morning, will you, will you raise your hand? We have ushers all around this room who are going to help you get one of these communion cups. We're going to serve communion. And you know what communion is? You know what communion is? I, a lot of people are raising their hand. You want to know what communion is? Just joking. Communion is this. It's a celebration. It's a remembrance of what a true friend we have in Jesus. It's a remembrance of what that true friend did for you. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, I just want you, I want everybody to be my friend. He didn't do that. He came, he says, I'm, I'm gonna be that true friend that you need. Whether you accept me or not, whether you love me or not, I'm gonna be that true friend to you. Remember, I talked about it earlier. He came and he humbled himself. I mean, he's God. And he humbles himself and comes to earth in the most poorest condition. Not even enough room for him in a, at, a, at, a, at a hotel. He is born in a stable lives this poor life, lives his life as a servant, washing his, his disciples' feet. And then he recognizes that each and every person here in this room 
has a sin problem. God says that my son is the cure for the sin problem, but my son is going to have to go through a horrific death, a persecution on the cross. And so Jesus selflessly gave himself as a true friend for you. And he put himself on the cross and he died for you. He didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave and he's alive. And I want you to know Jesus is not dead today. He is alive and he wants to be your truest friend you've ever had. But that will never happen until you open the doors of your heart and you accept him as your friend. I'm speaking to you online today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your friend, what's holding you back? All you need to do to have Jesus as Lord and Savior, as friend of your life, just open up the door of your heart. Each and every one of you, it's a decision we make. You open up the door of your heart. And if that's you this morning, you want to make that commitment, just close your eyes and say, God, I need you. The most powerful word you can say, God, I need you. I want to receive the gift of Jesus. I want to be Jesus' friend. And I'm asking that you would come and live inside of me and that you would forgive me. I accept your sacrifice and I choose to make you Lord and Savior of my life. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, you're ready for communion. Jesus is gathered with his friends, his disciples, and he's holding the bread. And they're not sure what he's talking about, but he's saying, listen, listen, gentlemen. He says, this bread, it represents my body, and I'm going to sacrifice my body for you. I'm going to selflessly lay it down for you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gift of this sacrifice that you were thinking of me on that cross. Let's partake together. Jesus took the cup. He says, this cup, it represents the blood that is going to be spilt on that cross. But don't be sad. This blood, it needs to be poured out and you're going to be set free. And I want you to know this morning that in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no more condemnation and you are free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So drinking of this cup is a celebration of your freedom. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you, Christ Jesus. Let's partake together. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. We remember the cross, and we also know that you are no longer dead, but you are alive. Can we just give a shout out today? Our friend is alive. I want you to know you have a friend in Jesus. And if you had prayed that prayer earlier for the first time, we want to encourage you in this friendship to grow in this friendship. We're going to ask you to do one thing here. There's these cards that say new here. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or you can even comment online and just say, I checked the box. I checked the box. 
I gave my, my life to Jesus today. Check the box and put your name here. We're not gonna chase you down or anything. We're just gonna send you a word of encouragement, but I wanna give you a gift. I wanna give you this New Believers New Testament. And in the back, go, go to the back and give them this card filled out saying, I gave my life to Jesus today. And they're gonna give you this New Testament. It's more than a Bible, it's a commentary. It's gonna give you steps to help you take in this faith journey of yours. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.